On this episode of Mike Drop Dallas, we're talking World Cup. Marcus and I chat up Monica about what she learned on her recent trip to Qatar. We hear from AT&T Stadium General Manager Todd Martin about the stadium's preparation for the 2026 World Cup. And Steve Davis, one of our favorite soccer experts, reviews the performance of the U.S. men's national team and previews this weekend's final. It's the season two finale, so let's drop the mic and let's go. Welcome to Mike Trap Dallas, everybody. Kevin Sullivan here, joined as always by Dallas Sports Commission Executive Director Monica Paul and Next Level Marcus Carr. Thanks for listening, watching on YouTube, for, for following. Please give us a five-star review if you like what we do here on Mike Trap Dallas. Monica, let's start with a by taking a few minutes to talk about your recent trip to, to Qatar. Walk us through what your schedule was like, what you who you met with, and so on and so forth. Oh, Sully, it was a fantastic experience. Uh, each of the host cities had an opportunity to to bring uh, three representatives. Uh, we had a few more just uh, from our international broadcast center opportunity, but uh, the FIFA crew and the, the people who were assigned to World Cup 2026, who we'll be working with over the next four years, uh, basically took us around to each of the different facets uh, of a World Cup. So... We went to their headquarters where, where they operate 24-7 for the full length of the World Cup, everywhere, everything from IT to how accommodations, how they how they track every one of their vehicles, their official vehicles, and kind of can know where they are and uh, when VIPs are coming and arriving, the hospitality experience we went through. We went to actually France's training venue uh, to get a kind of behind-the-scenes. Uh, each of the host cities has to provide, well, uh, we have 11 here in Dallas uh, that we've that we've positioned uh, for either base camps or training venues. So you kind of get a, a glimpse of uh, what, are, what are their needs there. Maybe there's things that, that we saw there uh, that maybe we didn't expect or um, some of our venues may not have. So now it gives us an opportunity to, to really see uh, what we need to build into it. Uh, we took an entire day and uh, went to a stadium and uh, saw all their hospitality areas, the behind-the-scenes, the, the press conference and uh, international broadcast area there on within the stadium and media operations, the huge hospitality vi villages with their, their sponsorships, uh, activations. Uh, we took an entire half day to go to a fan fest uh, site uh, in Qatar, which uh, was uh, very massive. Uh, saw kind of how their their sponsors activated and their partners, uh, what to expect, maybe different items that uh, the, the local Qatar organizing committee uh, put in. You were able to, as you were kind of moving back and forth, see their transport, their metro system, their transportation system, how that was um, working, safety and security, obviously for any major event uh, is a big one. So had the opportunity to do that. And then we had an entire day dedicated to the media center and international broadcast center, which uh, is important for us because we want to be the host of that international broadcast center. But it was a little bit different um, this year in that Qatar, you know, is basically the size of uh, 
of the DFW area in terms of the ability to go to different multiple matches within one day just for, for the close proximity. Uh, and because of that, I think that's they're, they combine their media center and their uh, international broadcast center into one bi- building, which was very beneficial for them uh, and for the media uh, just to head out to, to one spot, but still be able to get to, to each of the stadiums and kind of the same thing from a fan fest standpoint. Uh, so, yeah, we had a, a lot of time to connect and even with other host cities that uh, people are in our position and kind of what they're thinking. So a, a good exchange of, of ideas uh, and just continuing that conversation and process for us as we head into 2026. Monica, you set the scene a little bit there, but how would you describe it, the overall match, the stadium feel for someone who's never been to a World Cup? Oh, my gosh, Marcus. It's very hard to to describe if you're not uh, there. The energy, the passion, the converging of many you know different types of people, different cultures, different uh, teams. I mean, I went into the, the one of the matches that we were able to attend, uh, the last one while I was there, actually, Portugal versus Switzerland. And that was the match that, uh, you know, Ronaldo did not start. Uh, but at one point, the entire crowd, it didn't matter what team you were cheering for. You might have been, you might have been cheering for Switzerland um, or your team not even in the World Cup anymore. But uh, the entire uh, stadium um, busted out in Ronaldo, Ronaldo. And they were, uh, they were wanting him there on there and I, on the, on the pitch. And then, you know, they put him in and it erupted again in a whole nother fashion. So, you know, just seeing that and, um, uh, we had a chance to talk to some of the people that were sitting behind us or around us that were, uh, I think one in, in from Colombia, another group was in from Argentina. So, you know, and I'm like, I don't understand. Why would you be cheering for him? Monica, that's the great right there. You have to cheer for the greatest to get on the pitch. So, um, I don't know, it's like a celebration, and you have fa- you have families and, and friends that save up for this every four years and do this uh, every four years, uh, no matter where the World Cup is, and you kind of see what it means and uh, see some of the, the growth. And you, we saw a lot of younger kids uh, that parents had brought them over or, uh, to the matches, and uh, you could just see the excitement in their eyes. And, I, you know, I've been to a lot of sporting events, but... Uh, the energy around a World Cup. I even experienced it in 2018. I think the 2018 and 2022 20, uh, in Qatar uh, were totally different uh, World Cups. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with how the, the proximity and how they were laid out. But uh, I think ours will be a little bit probably more similar to what I saw in Russia, but uh, still a lot of lessons learned. And um, I, I think the World Cup at 26 here is going to be at a whole nother level. Well, Monica, as of Sunday, when the when this World Cup ends, you know we've got next. So, what's on your to do list that you've got to you know really start working through? Well, Sally, you know, being at the World Cup and seeing all of this, and then uh, it really does start to sink in of like, okay, that honeymoon, you know, time period of uh, being named a host city is uh, quickly vanishing here because uh, we know that after. This World Cup is over. FIFA will probably take a few weeks off and uh, hopefully breathe, catch their breath. Um, and uh, it'll be all eyes on 2026. They do have a 2023 uh, you know, Women's World Cup coming up next year that they'll be focused on. And uh, that, that delegation, uh, we, we got to interact with them as well. 
and they joined us. But um, it, it's really going to be okay. We it's time to get some of our staffing uh, lined out at the beginning of 2023, um, and who is going to really mesh up with the local organizing committee that FIFA is going to bring in uh, for, to each. Uh, individual host city, uh, so who we're going to be working with and the additional staff that we need. Uh, then we'll start to hone in on our host city supporter program and our donor program, um, and, and basically that means going out to your locally proposing different uh, partners and sponsors to, to FIFA that want to come on and help us from a, a host committee, a local host committee here uh, to help us, whether it's from for legacy projects or just you know overall funding for the event because we will have to go out and secure some, uh, you know, some some funding here uh, within the DFW area. So, um, but exciting. I mean, I think we've proposed plans for FanFest. Um, I think there'll be some discussion there of, you know, what makes the most sense. Uh, is it one location, multiple locations? Uh, now, after w- what we saw, uh, we are continuing to work on an international broadcast center plan. We actually stayed additional two days specific to International Broadcast Center, really went behind the scenes there. They were talking very technical elements, and luckily we had professionals there who understood what they were talking and and could uh, speak in that language because uh, there were some questions there that I had no clue. But it it really, uh, for our Fair Park friends who and and vendors and partners, contractors that went with us, allowed them to really have one-on-one conversations with FIFA and uh, ask some questions and kind of know as we're doing these upgrades to Fair Park here over the next four years, um, here's what's most important, or maybe here's what we need to tweak in the plan. So we, we owe them some information uh, coming back in January. So over the next two to three weeks, that's what we're going to be honing in on uh, because we do feel like FIFA may make a decision, or we're hoping, uh, especially because of the upgrades that are, will be taking place at Fair Park and the scheduling and project timeline around that, that FIFA will make that decision in January, February, March, first quarter, 2023, at the at the latest. So uh, another great opportunity um, for DFW region, if we can secure that. Monica, you mentioned both Russia and Qatar. What what are two things, significant things you can take from from those two visits and, you know, apply to, to 2026 and your planning coming here in January? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that surprised me or there was a difference that, that it was immediately felt, uh, I, I thought, was when I went to Russia, and keep in mind I was only there for three days, so a very whirlwind tour where I was there for in Qatar for a week. But um, the presence of immediately when you got to Qatar, you knew, actually before, because I flew Qatar Airways and they did a fantastic job. Um, of integration of, of their World Cup partnership. But immediately when you arrived in Qatar, you felt like you were you knew the World Cup was going on. And uh, whenever you drove throughout the city, the signing, the branding, the integration of, of, of different buildings within the metro, within the um, – well, I mean, in, in every facet, I just thought that the, the branding awareness and the engagement of cultural um, – uh, the, the cultural piece and the diversity piece um, was really thought out and integrated into the um, the signage and the, and the branding in, in Qatar. So I thought that was definitely an interesting piece. You know, I, I think an, another, um, and 
this came out right before the the, the World Cup in Qatar was the no alcohol, um, the no the no beer sales within the stadiums or in, in outside the the stadiums. I, I think you could feel, you know, a difference there in terms of the energy for uh, for the fans, or the fans didn't come as early, stay you know, as late after after the matches and, and, and that sort of thing of, of what we experienced. I don't think that's going to be a problem here uh, in the United States or in the North American cities. So I, that's why I kind of anticipate uh, that that portion of the field to be a little bit more like uh, 2018 and in, in Russia. Um, you know, and I think one of the other differences – for us, it's going to be how FIFA is structuring their 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 host committee, their local organizing committee, and taking more of the reins uh, of the event and the organization of it, um, and then working with the locals, but but having more skin to make all of the the, the cities and uh, the venues um, uh, kind of on par with one another, or have have the same type of type of atmosphere or assets and and elements there, but. Um, you know, I think one of the other things is to make sure that we take advantage of our uniqueness, and each city should do this, of what makes you unique, what makes you, uh, um, you know, pop out and, and, and be memorable and integrate some of our, what makes Dallas special? What do people remember of Dallas? What do we want them to remember? What do we want them to experience uh, while, we're, while, while they're here? Um, and make sure that we're thinking about that uh, during the planning. We generally always do, but this is really to uh, uh, another level. And, you know, this isn't an event that's just going to take place over one weekend or or a week. This is something that is going to take place over 35 plus, you know, plus or minus days, plus a lot of ramp up uh, leading into it. So we have a lot, I think, a longer runway, but a bigger opportunity to have a, a larger impact on our community. You know, Monica, when you were growing up in Caldwell, Texas, uh-huh. I, you, may, you know, maybe you could imagine working in sports one day because, you know, you played a lot of sports growing up. But I don't know if you could have imagined doing remote interviews from Qatar back to Texas to talk about the impact of having brought, helped bring uh, the 2026 World Cup uh, to, to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So I guess on a personal note, just I'm really happy for you. Congratulations on this whole experience and everything that you're 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 wow. doing for our region and and really uh, for, for the for the, this could change people's lives getting to be a part of this. Uh, when when will volunteers be able to go online and register or apply to be volunteers in 2026? I know it seems like a long way off, but it'll be here before you know it. I'm I'm guessing uh, you're probably looking at more of a 2024 time period. We need to know when our uh you know, what our matches are going to be, what uh, the other scopes of um, fan fest locations. We have, we have a lot, uh, lot to hone in on there. And But I will jump back to the, your, your final parting statement. Uh, so there's a lot of things, I think, uh, as growing up uh, that uh, – and then – the fortunate of uh, my career and what I've been able to experience and the events that I've been able to be a part of and the people that I've met, uh, there's no way I could have ever anticipated uh, these opportunities uh, growing up in Caldwell, Texas, 3,500 people. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm very blessed. I'm very grateful, very thankful for, for everything. And um, 
yeah, I mean, 2026 is, I, I mean, we've got a lot of other events that uh, we want to bring here, but uh, I think 2026 is going to be special. Well, way to go, Monica, and, and the whole Dallas Sports Commission team. We're back in a moment to continue the World Cup conversation with AT&T Stadium GM Todd Martin. But first, over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. Thanks, Rachel. And now, welcome to the Mic Drop Dallas. Todd Martin, the general manager of AT&T Stadium. He's responsible for operations, logistics, security, all that stuff, not just for Cowboys games, but for everything. So we're talking boxing events, WrestleMania, all the family shows and concerts. Uh, in addition to those, uh, of course, Cowboys game. Todd, before that, was part of the team that uh, helped with the with the construction of AT&T Stadium. So he, he's a longtime presence at AT&T Stadium. He's also a Texas Aggie. So, Todd, I'm not sure how Monica <laughs> let this uh, let this happen, but maybe we haven't reached our quota of, of Aggies yet. But welcome to Mike Drop Dallas. Morning. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, Sully, I, I don't know how I let this happen, but a uh, good thing is I really like Todd and I enjoy working with him and we have good partnerships. So uh, we do a uh, jab on the Aggie uh, Longhorn thing every, every now and then. So yeah, we are. We're, we're able to get past it somehow, some way. Yes, exactly. Well, Todd, uh, you had the experience uh, to head over to Qatar to the World Cup, I think a week or so before I was there. Uh, Y'all had a a free weekend uh, where the Cowboys weren't playing and, and could get out to, to take a look. I believe it may be your, your first World Cup. Um, tell us about maybe what you saw about in your recent trip that uh, you may be integrating into your planning or your overall just thoughts and impressions. Yeah, no, absolutely. We were fortunate enough to, to go over there and meet with uh, our, our FIFA partners and um, we were able to, uh, to get some pretty extensive, you know, front of house, back of house tours, um, you know, their broadcast compounds, excuse me, uh, their fan fest areas. And just, they're able to, to take us around and show us everything that they've got going on over there just to, to make their tournament happen. And, uh, kind of some of the, uh, the uniqueness that they're, that they're going through over there, just dealing with the uh, Qatar and the country and the government. And, uh, just, you know, like you had said, never had seen a world cup before and, uh, was just able to get my eyes on it. And, uh, and see it firsthand and just kind of uh, just get the overall experience. They, our, our partners took great care of us and uh, were able just to show us their overall operation for everything that, uh, that they've got to do to make their tournament happen. So, Todd, I know I think y'all went to LaSalle Stadium uh, for a match, uh, where the, and that's actually where the finals are going to be. We are very much in hopes, I think, in joint mm -hmm. still after uh, seeing Qatar that uh, we think AT&T Stadium would be the – Premier ideal, uh, their best uh, scenario for a final in, in 2026. So we're still campaigning for that. But um, anything that you took away from that experience specific at LaSalle Stadium that may help us uh, uh, in being able to secure the final for 2026 or even when you're hosting it? Yeah, I would say uh, the biggest takeaway was, was, was the magnitude of the event. You know, not having ever seen a World Cup before, probably the arguably the biggest sporting event on the planet. So just getting a grasp on that um, and then just seeing, you know, what FIFA needs operationally, I think it would be a phenomenal fit here at AT&T Stadium. We could, uh, we, we could do it and we could do it well and hopefully maybe even take it to another level. Um, but I would say that's probably the biggest takeaway and then getting to see what they do on the front of house as well as the back of house side, just being able to accommodate them and, and take care of them. So Todd, based off of our our plans, uh, as we you know prior to going into into Qatar, 
And I know we have some other plans that were just sent to us that I haven't had a chance to review yet, uh, and we owe them some information there on the stadium. But based on what you saw, would there are there any major changes that uh, you think you know you you might change of how you operate or things that you might need to do at the stadium that you could share at this point? Sure, I would say um, one of the bigger takeaways. And then it was great to get a grasp on it was the magnitude of the broadcast and the media compound and just the accommodations they have for them. Not ever seen that before. Um, just some of the provisions that we're going to have to do to, uh, to take care of them. Um, obviously the pitch, you know, everybody wants to talk about the pitch and the yeah. pitch design and what all that is or isn't going to be, um, you know, we're, we're already working with FIFA and, and their, uh, some of their consultants and their partners just coming up with some different design ideas to, uh, make sure we get everything in there for the, uh, the best quality and, uh, you know, get our pitch dimensions to have the best games possible. You know, so we're already working uh, through that and, and, and what that uh, design is going to be. Um, and then obviously, you know, working the, just through their event and their logistics and, and, and their compound needs, you know, our, our footprint's going to expand. Um, you know, it'll be, you know, something probably along the lines of a, a Super Bowl in regards to what the footprint's going to be contingent upon the, what games we get, I know you kind of hinted, we, we're, we're certainly hoping and vying for as many uh, elimination games and semifinals and possibly final games as we can. Um, so just working through all that and the fan festival opportunities and things of that nature. But uh, the FIFA folks have already been on top of it. Like you said, they've already sent us drawings and they're already uh, thinking thinking through it and making plans and trying to get ahead of it as best as we can to, uh, to put a, the, our best foot forward. Todd, we're, of course, less than four years away, although – you know, we know it's going to be here before we know it, but is this the sort of thing that you and your staff are going to be meeting about this, talking about this, working on this, you know, every week between now and then? I mean, this isn't the sort of thing that can, uh, uh, you know, slide for a bit and then pick it up in 2024, right. I wouldn't think. No, absolutely. Actually, we've already been working on it. So uh, we've been working and consulting with the FIFA folks pretty regularly. We're going back and forth through correspondence and drawings and documents and just kicking around ideas and layouts and what all we can or can't do. And then, uh, yeah, internally we're, we're meeting pretty, uh, pretty regularly, just, uh, trying to, to put uh, suggestions and plans uh, forward together for the FIFA folks to get as much off their plate as we possibly can. And already, uh, working with public safety and just what their thoughts are going to be and demands just so everybody can, uh, ramp up and whether it be staffing or plans and things of that nature. And, um, it's 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 a regular topic, but then also just getting through our, our daily grind. You know, we're hosting UIL high school championship games right mm -hmm. now. We've got to finish our Cowboys season. And then, uh, you know, 23 is going to be an amazing concert season for the building, just on top of all the regular stuff that we do. So we're just uh, working it in our schedule and then getting ready for it. And, you know, these are these are the top events that we love, you know, solving them and, and figuring out, just trying to make sure we have the best experience for everyone. We love these challenges and and, you know, hosting these is what's expected of our group with the, from the organization. You're, you know, you, you're an operations expert, but you're also a sports fan. So what do you think you could take from the fan experience at a Cowboys game, which is extraordinary? You know, maybe there's an advantage to the fact that you haven't been to a World Cup before going mm -hmm. to Qatar. What do you think you can pull from your experience with the Cowboys and big time sports in America to apply uh, to the World Cup? Maybe specifically on the fan experience, but but in general. Yeah, I think there's, based on what I saw, there's an opportunity to almost marry up the two worlds a little bit. You know, I would say, you know, we're, we're fortunate enough and a little bit ahead in, in regards to the hospitality they experience and the fan experience in, in some regards. And, and they bring a, a level of passion and, 
and and and, and soccer is not uh, always at the 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 forefront here, and, and we're we're working on bringing that here and, and bringing it to the forefront. But just marrying up the two, um, and and just hoping to have the combined best World Cup that uh, FIFA's ever seen. The uh, obviously, you know, AT and T Stadium is known globally and is a huge draw. But so were the Cowboys. Uh, did you, when you were over there meeting with the, the FIFA partners and and touring around, I mean, did you feel the pull of the Cowboys brand internationally? Could that, that that's part of our drawing card here. Right. Yeah. I, I feel, you know, don't get to travel a whole lot, but when I do, you can always find a Cowboys fan. Doesn't matter where you go. Uh, you can always find a Cowboys fan or somebody who recognizes a star of the brand and you can have a conversation with them. Um, maybe not always positive, but, uh, usually hopefully they're on our side. Um, but, uh, you know, Mr. Jones built this stadium, uh, just with the vision of hosting events like this, you know, the Super Bowls, the final fours, the CFPs, the Academy of Country Music Awards, things of that nature. And obviously in, in, in the world cup and, and hopefully some great games within that tournament, you know, that was always his vision, the family's vision to, to host the, the best events, uh, in the best venue. And, and that's what, uh, we're hoping to do and, and, and hope to, uh, have some games of some some uh, significant magnitude and just and just keep it going. So, Todd, before I let you go, I have to ask um, because I I'm just in awe that you're able to do this, and I have to meet your wife someday. But um, <laughs> how are you able to do it uh, with six boys at home? How I mean, how what does work life balance even look like? And you know how. How does your wife do it whenever you're you're yeah, gone I mean, you, to Qatar you know or at an yeah. event? Uh, you know, how does that work? You nailed it. I mean, I, I probably married the most patient, understanding woman in the world who uh, she works from home, too. So it's not like she's just purely a house mom. And I don't know how she does it. I couldn't do it. You know, she's absolutely phenomenal and, and, and an amazing mother and, and is a saint and um, her level of patience and uh, ability just to understand and get through the day. Uh, you know, on my days off when I'm home, I mean, I'm just, I, I look at her and all, and I don't, I don't know how she does it. Um, she's just a phenomenal mother and, and, uh, in wife and, uh, she's just very understanding and it takes great care of us as a family. And, you know, I, uh, she's like, we've actually got another one on the way. So she's dealing with the pregnancy and just a, another critter, uh, coming and, um, I don't know. We also have a ton of grandparent help and, uh, you know, we can't thank them enough as well for all that they do for us and, and taking care of our boys. So I don't know how she does it. Well, Todd, uh, hang on to that one for sure. And, um, <laughs> thank you for as long as she'll have me. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't sound like she's going to be getting rid of you anytime soon. Uh, <laughs> well, Todd, thank you for joining us. I uh, really do appreciate your partnership and everything that you do for us, uh, from a sports commission standpoint and, um, yeah, we'll just continue down the road and uh, trying to secure that final and uh, hosting the best World Cup. So hope you have a great holiday. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Monica, for everything as well. I appreciate you uh, guys having me on. Y'all have a great day. All right. And now over to Rachel for a word from one of our partners. Thanks, Rachel. And now it's a real pleasure to welcome back to Mike Drop Dallas, a real friend of the podcast and a really Good guy, in addition to being the preeminent soccer journalist in Dallas for a long time, from the Dallas Morning News to FC Dallas broadcast and a few other things in there, too. Our our good friend, Steve Davis. Steve, welcome back. Hey, man, how nice of you to say a long time and not actually spell out the number of years. You're, you're a good man. I appreciate it. 
Now you're, you, you, you're, you are youthful and vigorous and that's how <laughs> we're going to keep it. Let's, let's don't get carried away. Before we get to your analysis of world cup, uh, you know, our, many of our listeners I'm sure are aware that FC Dallas broadcasts are moving uh, to uh, the whole MLS will be on an Apple TV plus next season, which means the end of the Mark Fowler, Steve Davis pairing on our local FC Dallas broadcast, which is a bittersweet thing for sure. You had a very nice, uh, touching sort of farewell message uh, on your last broadcast. Give us your your kind of take on how you feel about all this and what's next for you in soccer media. Uh, I tell you what, when you say those words soccer media, you say it all. Man, you know as well as everybody else, media in this country has been in evolution, has been fluid, dynamic, whatever word you want to use for 20 to 25 years. So, you know, if you think you have the media world figured out, you better think again. You don't. You know, it's it's going to change. And and, and man, I've been telling people since I left the morning news in 2006, you always got to have a plan B. You better you better pack a parachute. So in, in that sense, it, it's not surprising at all. Uh, the, these things do change. And, and I know that. And I love the work that I've I've, I've done with Mark. Man, it, those, those broadcasts are so much fun. And and I think, you know, Mark, you know, Mark and I just, just we have a great relationship. But you always know every, every time I went to the stadium, you, you know, I, I, I thought, hey, this could be the last one. And you always have to know that. So I loved it. it it's great. Uh, it was great. Um, I loved working with Gina Miller there. Um, uh, you know, and there's a, and there's a very good chance there could be, you know, some ongoing partnerships. But it's media. It's sports. It's always it's it's always an evolution. And that's that's just the deal, man. You got to you. That's why you value things while they're here. Well, we love Gina here at Mike Drop Dallas, and a shout out to the producer Jim Feldman, a longtime pal and Absolutely. former Mavericks producer. So, pulling for that whole crew to have more opportunities in the future. All right, Steve, break it down for us. Let's start with with uh, World Cup first. Before we get to this weekend's final, uh, let's talk about the U.S. Men's National Team. Did they meet expectations? Exceed expectations? How do you size up the performance of the U.S. team? Boy, you're just gonna you're gonna invite me to wade right into that swamp, huh? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you know, U.S. Soccer Twitter is, uh, as all things Twitter is, is is a wild thing, and there's uh, opinions are all over the place. I I think the uh, bottom line measure of success would have been getting out of that group. That means you know you get three first round games. As as people around here are going to become much more familiar with the uh, World Cup formats over the. Uh, changing World Cup formats over the next four years. But you get out of the group, uh, then you're into elimination plays. That, that's the final 16. Uh, and everybody thought if the United States can do that, that's sort of the the, the bottom line marker of success. Now, um, from there, everybody sort of says, if you can get into the quarterfinal, as they did in 2002, uh, most successful run in, in modern history for, for the United States, that would be a raging success. Something right in between, that's your point for debate, right? Well, that's where we landed. Right in between, uh, they got into the, uh, they got out of group play, got into the elimination round, faced a really good Netherlands team. Uh, Netherlands was pretty comfortable in that win, uh, so that created the point for debate. For me, I think it, it was it was progress, certainly progress, uh, just qualifying for the World Cup. Then you get out of the group. I think Greg Berhalter did a pretty good job with the, one of the youngest rosters, depending on how you count the uh, the numbers of the roster, maybe the youngest roster at the World Cup. For me, uh, I, I think he he brought a team together, a young team, and, and created a really good team unity, a, a team accord. That's not easy to do. We see these teams, very talented teams at, at World Cups, 
come completely apart and not even make it out of the group phase. Uh, we've seen that several times with World Cup winners uh, over the last uh, 20 years. So uh, for me, it, it was a, a moderate level of success. And I know a lot of people maybe don't necessarily agree with that. All right. Now, that was unfair question number one. Here's unfair question number two. I'll take them all, buddy. That's okay. What, okay. So what happens between now and 2026 to to make it so the team can, if not reach the 2002 team level, you know, make additional progress? How good can the U.S. men's national team be by 2026? Well, you know, as I said, it's it's, it's a young team. And I think Greg Berhalter is a, is a guy – um, who knows how to work with young players. And, and increasingly, we see this, that, um, you know, we see it with a guy like uh, Nicolas Tevez here at FC Dallas. You know, if you can, if you can connect with young players uh, in that way, you have a better chance of success. It doesn't mean that you can't do it the old school way. You can, but it's harder and harder to do that. And I think Greg Berhalter is a guy who connects with young players. Um, I, I know there's one that, uh, you know, we, we've heard about the news lately that he maybe didn't connect with and that created some 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 issues within the team. But I think even within that, uh, I, I think he handled it well. So the answer to your question is is growth, growth from that young group, uh, the core of the team, guys like uh, Tyler Adams and Weston McKinney from right around here. And uh, maybe Jesus Ferreira continues to be part of the group, Christian Pulisic, and I could go on and on. That core will be in the 27 to 28 year old area in 2026, man, that is the sweet spot. That's it. You're old enough to know you're young enough to do at that point. So if they could just keep, keep progressing in little, uh, in individual tactical areas and individual game management, you, you've got to learn these things at a very high level. So if they can just keep progressing that way, they, they can easily get into the quarterfinals. Now it's tricky this way because there's no qualifying process. As one of the co-hosts for 2026, they are automatically in, which means every other team goes through this long qualifying process where they they can really dial in some of those elements and really dial in the, uh, the, how the individuals fit together. With the United States, yes, they'll have the, the Copa America and maybe uh, I'm sorry, the, uh, you know, the the Gold Cup matches and the Copa maybe Copa America participation, but it's just not the same. So it's going to be tricky to really have that group coalesce, but individually they will be progressing along the way with their club teams. So Steve, uh, you know, uh, Ricardo Pepe, um, a big, a big name for us had been in, had been in the news a lot, a former FC Dallas star now playing in the Netherlands, narrowly missed the, the 2022 team. He, I think he turns 20 in a few weeks. What do you think his prospects are for uh, being on this team in uh, 2026? Uh, the, the, the sky's the limit. Look, and, and he came very close to um, making the team. And, and it, this year, he was probably the next forward on the list. A lot of people still believe he, sh he should have been on that list. Uh, Ricardo Pepe being 20 years old, you have to understand, like Clint Dempsey, I'd have to look it up. I, he might have been 24 at his first World Cup, and he ends up scoring at three World Cups. To, to go to three World Cups is amazing. To score in three World Cups is, is phenomenal. Ricardo Pepe has plenty of time. He's got the drive. He's got the desire. He's he's a, he's a great kid who works. He's not a kid anymore. He's you know he's twenty, but uh, he's a great young man who works hard. Uh, unless there are injuries, he'll have every opportunity to keep progressing. He's scoring in the Netherlands. I I think if he had made that move from Germany to Netherlands, maybe. Four weeks earlier, five weeks earlier, hard to say, but I think he would 
because he started scoring regularly once once he arrived there, uh, I think he probably would have been on Greg Berhalter's team this year. So, uh, long story short, there's this guy is a limit for that guy. He's 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 got a talent that is very hard to find in soccer, which is operating inside the 18, scoring goals. It's so hard to score goals in soccer, uh, as everybody knows, and even harder at the World Cup level. So, uh, my opinion is that Ricardo Pepe is going to be fine. All right. Well, I hope so. I, I like to follow the Ricardo Pepe. I, we I, really, all do. I really enjoyed uh, seeing him play. Uh, and man, uh, he, yeah, I think everybody was a little surprised he didn't he didn't make that roster. So, Steve, what other um, what other up up and comers uh, Dallas soccer that Dallas soccer fans might uh, or any soccer fan actually uh, like to follow heading into the twenty twenty six selection and and be on the U.S. men's national team. Yeah, well, I'll tell you a couple of them. Uh, Brian Reynolds and Tanner Tessman came right out of the FC Dallas Academy. They both moved into Europe at, at, at very young ages. Uh, uh, Brian Reynolds has moved since uh, his first move was into Italy, and, and maybe that was a little too soon for him. Uh, he's now in Belgium. And then uh, Tanner Tessman, is, uh, he moved to Italy, and he's, he's doing fine there, uh, although his team was relegated into the second division there. But both of those guys, uh, Tanner Chessman is, 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 is a, is a big kid who, uh, actually could have played, uh, could have been a kicker at Clemson. He got a scholarship there, chose to go the soccer route, uh, uh, with, with, with the Clemson coach's blessing. And, uh, but he's so technically skilled for being such a big guy. So everybody looks at him and, and says, well, he's got all the physical tools. And if they can just, uh, create just a little bit more sophistication within his game in the midfield, he'll be somebody that uh, I, I I would think that we'll see him on the Olympic team. That's largely an under 23 team. We'll see him on the Olympic team at the next roster uh, at the next Olympics. Um, and I think we'll see Brian Reynolds there too. He's a right back uh, who can uh, supply a terrific ball from the right side. He's, he can run for days. Uh, it's exactly what people want out of uh, the right back or the left back position now. So those, that's just a couple of them you keep your eye on. So, Steve, one last question for me. We have another team here in Dallas that uh, is kind of we, we welcome home every year in Mexico. And uh, I think uh, Mexico kind of disappointed for most people in, in Qatar. What happened there? What's next for that program? What should we expect for us, I guess, even over the next four years? So in the interest of uh, journalistic integrity, which uh, I always care about, I'm just going to tell you, I, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a Mexican soccer expert. I, I'll leave that to people like yep. John Arnold, who's a great journalist, locally based. Uh, I, I follow uh, American soccer uh, unapologetically, major league soccer, the American national team have, uh, have for years, the women and the men, by the way, at some point, Monica, you know, you, you just, you, you, uh, you have to sort of, yep. Uh, you have to, yeah, you can only be an expert or expert. I, I say that you can only be a semi expert on so many things. So, uh, to, to me, maybe they didn't quite have the right, uh, they, they certainly didn't have their, the same talent that they've had. To me, they still have plenty of talent. Maybe talk to Martino talking about coaches and who connected, who can, can and can't connect with young players. Maybe that wasn't quite the right fit. I know a lot of people uh, sort of believe that, but beyond that, I, I just don't want to uh, fib to people and tell you I'm, I'm, I'm a big expert on Mexican soccer because it's hard enough keeping with every, keeping up with everything in the American game. Well, Steve, unfair question number three. Shoot, record, I'm okay with it. As we record this on Wednesday morning, we are hours away from uh, France taking on Morocco. 
for the right to take on Argentina in Sunday's final. So we know we we, we know Messi, you know the, the storyline there a little bit and the greatness of him uh, and getting you know getting to the final with Argentina. But what what what? Give us a little preview here of that match, not knowing if Argentina is going to face France or Morocco. So it uh, it's 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 almost certainly going to be France. I, I think, as you know from uh, all of your experience in American sports, I think there's a there's a growth uh, that has to happen. If we watch a, a team like the Dallas Mavericks, you know they have to learn how to make the playoffs. Then they have to learn how to win in the playoffs. And I think we might see that uh, today with Morocco. This is a French team that has been here before. Um, it's, it's, it's a great story though. And look, it, it's, it's, it's a 90 minute game. Things could happen. Luck can intervene or, or Morocco's got just a tremendous team spirit. So it, it, it could be an upset. If you're betting the house, you know, you probably wouldn't bet on it, but man, it's not, I'm excited for it. French soccer actually has a really special place in my heart. Um, uh, Monica knows the woman I live with, Stefana, mm-hmm. and that's where I, I met her at the 1998 World Cup, uh, way back uh, in, in, in Lyon is where I met her there. And I was, you know, I rode that. Uh, that's one of the World Cups I've been lucky enough to go cover. And uh, I watched French soccer literally grow up that year in 1998 when uh, they won the they won sort of unexpectedly won the World Cup. And since then, they've just been on a they've been on yeah. a tear. And of course, we know they're the reigning world champions. So. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to the game just like everybody else. I, I'm not going to be disappointed either way. If Morocco wins, it's a great story. If Fran- France wins, it sets up an unbelievable final. France against Lionel Messi and Argentina. So we're all winners either way, man. Messi. 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 Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. He's, he's, he's the player of my lifetime. Absolutely. Yeah. And one last thing, Steve, before we let you go, the that the, the three years plus, almost a little less than four years are going to go by very fast. Hmm. At, we saw we saw record you know TV viewing and viewership and big numbers and a lot of interest, especially when the U.S. team was 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 still competing in in the World Cup. What what guidance, advice, suggestions would you give to fans who may not be uh, hardcore soccer fans who now knowing the World Cup is coming, they whet their uh, appetite this year. What 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 should they read? What should they watch? Who should they follow to to build that interest? Uh, you know, to a crescendo as. Uh, as we approach 2026. So I'll start here. When I was a less curious person about the world, uh, I used to think about auto racing the way a lot of people do. Oh my gosh. It's a, it's, you know, a bunch of cars driving in circles, you know? Okay. So if you ever see an auto race, pick out a driver, pick a driver, really watch their strategy, that one strategy, listen in on the, on the comms and the way you can do it these days. And, and you will become a fan in that way because it will mean something to you. So I say that same thing about soccer. I tell people, pick a team. I don't care if it's an English Premier League team. You can see all the games now. It's a Bundesliga team. I would love it for, be, for it to be FC Dallas uh, or some major league soccer team. But pick a couple of teams. Get into that team, and within that, you'll learn more uh, about the game. If you just follow it as sort of this big, broad enterprise, soccer, you, you know, it becomes – you're not passionate about it. You don't care. I mean, you know, there's legal sports betting. I mean, it, to find a team and bet 10 bucks on it, you'd be amazed for, you know, what kind of conspiracy theories you'll cook up in your head when that when that referee doesn't call a foul on your guy in that game. You'll be screaming at the TV, conspiracy, the referee's paid off. All for your ten dollars. So just pick a team, get into that team, find about the play, find out about the players, about the coach, and within that, you will learn about the game. I, I, I promise, and you'll learn about it in a meaningful way. 
Well, that is that is great advice, and and I may take you up on that. I mean, who are you going to pick, man? Who, who what, who's going to be your team? You know, you know. Well, you know, I'm a I'm a, a uh, Chicago White Sox fan, and Premier okay. League people tell me that Everton is the White Sox of the Premier League. So okay, I, I, so I will uh, I will go. That's where I'll start, uh, as well as uh, you know, and I follow FC Dallas, but I could I could go deeper. Uh, so I guess I'll start with those two. Okay, Everton, get ready to have your heart broken. I'm just going to tell you, man. Well, that that's like the White Sox, you know. Right? The they they tell me there's fights that break out in the stands. Not that that happens at Guaranteed Rate Field so much anymore, but uh, you know, kind of the other team in town, like the White Sox and yeah. the Cubs with Liverpool. Yeah. So uh, so, and your heart gets broken a lot. And and now I can I can uh, calm my. Uh, my nerves a little bit knowing that my Purdue Boilermakers are number one atop the uh, oh, the hoops uh, rankings. I promised Monica I wouldn't mention <laughs> that, but I can't help myself. Although I probably just jinxed them uh, by by saying it out loud. So uh, well, I'm not. I'm Steve, not getting in the middle. Of, I'm not getting in the middle of this one. Yeah, yes. between y'all. Yeah. No, and and uh, congrats to my daughter Laura on uh, completing her first half marathon last weekend, and congrats to awesome. our friends uh, Paul Lambert and Jason Shuhart at Run Dallas. Another great installment of the BMW Dallas Marathon. Monica, any parting shots? This is our last episode before the holidays. This is the end of season two. It's been a great run. Lots of interesting topics and headliners. What are your farewell uh, words for the holidays, Monica? You know, I think I just want to wish everybody a happy, a healthy holiday season as we close out the out the year and really looking forward to uh, uh, a great year in 2023. A lot of positive things to come. Um, 2022 was... Uh, uh, I don't know, a lot of ups and downs, but probably more so ups uh, to climbing the big old mountain uh, um, uh, with the World Cup stuff. But we kind of know where we're at now. And uh, uh, now it's uh, to starting 2023. Let's start to make it happen. So uh, just hopefully everybody has a safe and healthy and happy holiday season. I, I will uh, echo those words. And with that, Steve, thanks for being with us on behalf of Monica Paul and the Dallas Sports Commission. Uh, thanks to Steve and also Todd Martin for being our guest this week. Thanks to the Mike Drop Dallas excellent production team, Icy Strain, and welcome back to Danielle Whitelaw Piscura, our, our ace producers. Thanks to Ren at Vocal Media, our showrunner and visionary, Tony Fay. Until <laughs> next time, thanks for listening, for watching on YouTube. Merry Christmas and happy holidays, everybody. See you in 2023.